Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. I feel spooky. Yes, feeling me spoopy. too. Oh, it's still spooky season. This is being recorded not on our normal night. This is being recorded the night before Halloween 2023. Ooh, spooky season. Um, and... Hey, we had an opportunity to actually get through uh, two spoopy movies this year. We did Tucker and Dale versus Evil last time, and then Matt said, "No, we have absolutely got to do this one." Um, and it's how can I best put this? It's not the same kind of movie, but they live in the. It feels like they live in the same neighborhood. Would that be an accurate way of putting it? I kind of described it when we were talking about it as. Um... This feels like if you were a big fan of 80s, like, teenage horror flicks that, well, I guess Goonies. This kind of feels like this is like a stopgap between, like, if you had Goonies on one end and the Lost Boys on the other end, like, this would be, like, smack in the middle of that. It's, this is, there's no other way to say this is kind of like a weird movie because they are, <laughs> they so absolutely are trying to capture that, like, Goonies vibe. Uh but this, it it was also kind of like a, in some ways, a loving throwback to the Universal, the classic Universal monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they, maybe they were aiming for this to be like a franchise. Maybe they were going to try and do like another one. But I guess this, uh, technically it bombed. Because I think it, uh, I think they made it for like $14 million, uh, per Wikipedia. And I think it did like less than half that in the box office. I think they've made that back tenfold since then, though. Uh, it's become it's become absolutely a cult classic. And I was thinking about this and there are movies that maybe you as a kid watched all the time. And it could be like stuff that, you know, everyone, like culturally everyone watched. Like, for example, like when I was a kid, like I watched like the, uh, the, the original star Wars trilogy. Like I watched that all the time. Yeah. And that was, uh, I was technically alive for some of that, but I was way too, I was like, I was a baby. Like I, I can't, I couldn't be watching that in the theaters, but I, I, it, I was close enough to it. Then, you know, it, it, this stuff was being released on, on VHS when my parents got that in like the eighties. So it's like, okay, I watched, I watched the original stuff all the time, but everyone did like everyone watched that stuff. And then there are movies that were really big movies that it's like, okay, you can kind of understand why people watch those a lot of the time. Like I, mm-hmm. I watch Ghostbusters all the time. I watch back to the future all the time. And then there's movies that, weren't big at the time meaning like they weren't like huge box office successes but they have since in times past become like cult classics uh and there are those that i watched like for example probably my favorite movie of all time like no joke 
is Big Trouble in Little China with mm-hmm. uh, by John Carpenter and it was starring Kurt Russell because it's such a campy film, but it's also like has martial arts, monsters. It's super fun. I watched that a million times as a kid, and this movie is another one of those ones I watched like so many times as a kid, and it's like I love it like so much. <laughs> it's like a favorite movie of mine. It's totally a cult classic. And watching it again, I actually watched this not that long ago. Uh, with my wife, because my wife and I told you, like, we, uh, my wife doesn't like horror movies. She gets scared very easily. But she will watch horror movies in, like, the month of October uh, with me. It's become, like, this big thing mm-hmm. where we, like, try to watch, like, we usually try to pick, like, eight, like, four and four. But we watch, like, horror movies, and she's gotten really into it. She's like, oh, I'm going to pick this from my movies this year. And it's like, she gets really into it. But I chose this, like, two, three years ago, because I'm like, this is a, a scary, scary movie, but it's super fun. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we watched it. I basically was like, oh, we should, we should review this for the, for the the show. And you guys, yeah, I'm down. So, I'm happy. I'm happy we got to see it. I have actually never seen this before. Um, it's been a long time for me. It was. It's interesting that, I don't know the the gaps in things that I have seen surprise people sometimes. So this one. Uh, You've never, never seen Goonies, right? No, no, I haven't seen Goonies. Oh, At this so point, I'm still I'm leaning into it for the meme, but uh, this, uh, yeah. I would say most people wouldn't be shocked if you haven't seen this. This is not like people would know Goonies. Like people yeah. don't necessarily know Monster Squad, even if they haven't seen either one. So, uh, f- amusing enough, I've got the TV tropes page up because every now and then mm-hmm. I'll I'll comb through stuff like that. And under the trivia, they have the trope of the uh, Colbert bump when the Colbert would bring something up and then people would go find it. It said it wasn't unheard of, but Nostalgia Critic reviewing it brought an otherwise somewhat obscure film to the attention of lots of lots of his followers. So I'm not going to say it's him doing it, but, you know, he helped. Um, it's a uh, it's a name that I knew was out there, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. It, the movies that I watched as a kid, I never I never really went in for the universe, you know, really anything that was anywhere near horror because as a young kid, I got spooked real easy and then as I got older, I just kind of avoided everything mm-hmm. like that. And also where I grew up, it was harder to find non-mainstream stuff. You know, mm-hmm. finding a Godzilla movie was unheard of for, you know, finding kaiju movies was unheard of. So, you know, it, I, I, I had heard that this was out there somewhere, but I don't know. It never really crossed my path. Yeah, I forget that where I grew up in like a big um, city with like a very ethnically diverse population that my... um. My experience growing up was not most people's experience growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a good old hillbilly, so me and Tucker and Dale never saw this, but... Uh... <laughs> I can't believe you didn't see... Like, kaiju movies are hard to find, though. That seems a little odd. I knew about it because, oddly enough, my school library had a book about Godzilla, but there wasn't enough demand for anybody to to have kaiju movies in the video store. That's crazy so, to me. Well, I, I remember, because I remember, this is, so I'm going to date myself, this is back like when 
everywhere like rented videos. So mm-hmm. like I remember Kroger had like a metric crap load of hmm. Godzilla movies to rent. And I think that's where um I think they had a copy of This Island Earth, which I don't know why they had that, but you know, it was the eighties, <laughs> so it was a little crazy. But yeah, that's I mean they you could rent them everywhere. Gorgo, I think, was pretty popular. Um, but yeah. No. I just didn't work out that way, so this is anyway. This is one of those ones though in that vein of movies that I think were a failure at the time and have kind of slowly as you said you know, some internet personalities have uh, brought some attention to it, but it's also like, you know, well, I think well remembered by those that did see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a, uh, you know, who else is uh, absolutely loves this movie? Who's that? Friend of the show, Christopher <laughs> Trello. That doesn't shock does. me at all. It doesn't, but this is usually I like will rag on Chris's tastes, um, good naturedly, of course, because I, I love Chris. He's like a brother to me, but it, uh, I completely agree on this. Like this is a, I love this film. It is campy as all hell. Although, and we'll get into it. Like this movie is rated PG thirteen, and I actually feel like with good reason. Like there is, yeah. uh, I kind of feel like I gory, but if there's a shocking amount of death in this film, I feel like it. This could have reasonably been pushing an r rating to be honest in that time frame harder yeah and if it came out today if this movie came out today it would be r you think so yeah because Uh, yes because because there's violence there's some almost nudity and like everything's like totally pussy when it comes to and there'd be you know they'd be like oh we can't we can't rate this PG-13 because children might see it, and we have to protect the children from anything that might be slightly um, risque. Mm. PG-13 went through this interesting arc because when it first came out... It was because everyone got pissed off about Gremlins because Gremlins was super dark, and it also kind of came off of Indiana Jones, which I feel like straddled that line pretty hard, too. But PG-13 used to be a much harder, you know, they they brought that out and it was this middle ground. And then like in the, it felt like in the 90s and early aughts, you could get into like some hard PG-13 stuff. And then everyone has started throttling down on the PG-13 because, well, if it's PG, then that that hurts the box office draw. But if it's PG-13, then it's perceived as being slightly more adult. And so that that seems to be like there was a running gag when Deadpool was coming out that it was that Fox was going to make it. They were going to make it into a PG-13 movie. And so they had the commercial where Ron Reynolds is doing the interview with Mario Lopez. And uh, he's going, yeah, I heard you were making it PG-13. And Deadpool walks up behind Mario Lopez and whacks him over the head with something. And he falls over. He goes, this is going to be rated R. And he goes, by the way, Jesse. Slater can't hurt you anymore. You know, he's like, no, we're not, we're not dialing this down for anything. So mm-hmm. it, it, I would say it'd probably still be PG 13. I think, well, I think, I think there's a lot of things in this movie would not like fly today. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, you're, like, you're right. just like the fact that their children acting like children would actually act was like, I, I was sitting there watching that, and I was kind of like, you know, this is really refreshing to actually have children being children. Yeah. The the, the one thing that threw me for a loop in this 
or it, that felt out of place, I should say. Let me put it that way. Was Rudy, They're the the junior high member of the Monster Squad. Not even necessarily so much that because he got to have some pretty awesome moments towards the end oh, of the movie. Yeah. Rudy has some of the best lines. Rudy, you, you know, who is he, most, he's like the badass of the film. You know yeah. who he ends up reminding me of by the end of the movie. And I can't remember his name from Stranger Things, but the douchey oh, boy. Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve. He reminds yeah. me of Steve. Like his character arc is like kind of a similar. But it's it 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 throws me because we never like it's established early on that Rudy is friends with Horace, but we never get why. And yeah, we get why he went to the clubhouse. Oh, we get why he went to the clubhouse, but we never got why he was friends with Horace to start with. I think he's just a weirdo. That's why. Maybe so. He is kind of a weirdo in his own way. He's cool. He's like the tough kid. But he rolls up on the bicycle and lights a cigarette. Yeah. (laughs) And and how is – well, it's actually confusing me. How old is he supposed to be? They just said junior high. I'd say he's 13. Maybe he's 14. like 13, maybe like 14. Yeah, I'd he's definitely not driving age. Kids are like 11 ish. Yeah, I th- um, I don't I actually never took it that he was necessarily friends with Horace. I just thought like he knew who he was and like didn't want people screwing with. That that is like an early um, character establishing moment where like yeah. the first time you're seeing Rudy, he the uh, Horace. Uh, who you don't know is named Horace. With Kevin's older Fat brother. Kid. Yeah. It's called Fat Kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Dave. Oh, what is it? Oh, what is that? Uh, the dude who would always, like, <laughs> show up in WCW. Jason Hervey. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, Jason Hervey's, like, bullying Horace, who, you know, is, is called Fat Kid the entire film. Yeah. Um, and Rudy basically, like, out bullies the bully and yeah. sticks up for for Horace so that's your early character establishment. This kid is like he might be an outcast, but he's obviously has a nobility to him because he's taking this someone, who, someone who's being bullied, someone who's kind of an outcast himself and disadvantaged. Like he's sticking up for him. So it, I, I like that little like subtle thing that that they did it, that they're in there. This it really was, shows right, you though how old we are because if like if I was watching this with my niece who's in her twenties now, Jason Hervey showing up wouldn't mean a damn thing to her like hey look it's Wayne from the wonder years yeah, yeah. jason hervey playing a a dick bag bully it's it's a real stretch for him uh, <laughs> he, which he I, almost got typecast really yeah, yeah. i um i messaged you guys like because i i didn't i i've seen this movie a, a hundred times before but i i watched it earlier today uh and like the first 10 minutes i'm like message you guys i'm like oh my god jason hervey used the like the f word slur oh, yeah and it's like oh times. yeah like that that was just common back in the day i was like well, well, it's... that's what i was like wow this is this is very period accurate like young yeah. preteen well i i bet they still use it today truth be told mm-hmm. but it's like oh wow like you know that's accurate mm-hmm. but it's interesting that even if that was common vernacular back then the only person using it was dickbag jason hervey i mean nobody was, else does even even in the heyday of um like the old bigoted times like 
you never heard that word coming really out of anyone's mouth other than like a bad guy. Yeah, that's true. Like it, because uh, there's always I think there was even like even there was always kind of a connotation of you know even if society wasn't tolerant of like a gay lifestyle, I still think there was a oh yeah like you know only like a real jerk would use that in certain context. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me let me add a couple a couple things just to finish about Rudy. Like he clearly is an outcast, but it's like he's an outcast in an odd way in the sense that he he's this is like the 1980s edging into like the late 80s and he's dressed like a 1950s greaser like yeah. he's got like white <laughs> t-shirt jeans like the black like leather jacket and it's like this is you're like a weird anachronistic type it's it in the modern day era it'd be like someone i guess dressing very heavily like his 80s and like that's that's their like their style with like the day glow and, and other stuff. I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of odd, but um, we're missing also like that. The, the movie begins basically uh, like a throwback, like a hundred years ago to essentially Transylvania where uh, Van Helsing, Abraham Van Helsing, Van Helsing is trying to use an amulet to basically banish Dracula and evil from the world. And then they, they set up this whole thing where every hundred years, the amulet, uh, which is, I guess, like a force of pure good, but it can be destroyed. It's weakened. And it could be destroyed, um, but if it, if some sort of like special incantation is used, it opens up this vortex into the abyss or whatever. Limbo. And limbo. And it can suck in all the evil things to get in there. And they tried to do it back in the day, but it didn't work. Uh, Van Helsing got sucked into the vortex and... Apparently, Dracula did not. Uh, there was a great shot in the beginning. It's supposed to be, again, this is like Transylvania. It's supposed to be in Dracula's castle. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, this, uh, you know, underground crypt where Dracula's uh, coffin is and other vampires and whatever. But I don't know if you saw this. Like, there are things screwing about. And I, I actually rewound the film because it's supposed to be, like, rats running around. Yeah. And I rewound the film, and I'm like, what the hell are they trying to pull here? I guess they, I'm sure they probably did it because it's like, oh, they're they're big things, so you think that they're just like giant rats. If you blink and you miss it, that's fine. But I looked, and it's definitely it's armadillos running around <laughs> in, like, in Dracula's crypt. And no, I'm like, they, what the hell? They're just they're just a different variety of rat car called um, rodents of unusual size because I couldn't yeah. remember the what they. R-O-T-U-S. The, yeah. I don't know they exist. And then that well, you know, it's funny if you ever read Roman history, that was like a legitimate superstition back in the Roman times. <laughs> awesome. Giant rats? No, rodents of unusual size. Like that was the exact word they used, like mm. in the superstitious sense. But I also thought it was weird how Rudy kept going to the specific diner and hitting the jukebox trying to get it to work. I don't know. That was some mm. weird foreshadowing to other things, maybe. At this movie, I, I just looked it up. I had I for, as for a movie I've never. Uh, actually paid close attention to who wrote it, even though I've seen it a hundred times. It was written by, it was co-written, one by Fred Decker, who also directed it, okay. who, this is like right after he did Night of the Creeps. Oh, uh, yeah, that, this is very Night of the Creeps. Uh, it, it is. It kind of makes sense. Uh, some of the, I can see some resemblance for those who have seen that film. I've seen both. It's a, because it, it's, um because Night of the Creeps is, let me make sure. Is this the comet that shows up in the fifties and then they're dealing with it again in like the eighties? Uh, no, uh, I mean, 
It's similar. I'm thinking of Night of the Comet. It is 1950s, to, but uh, is it set in like the modern day? I think I think it is. Yeah, I think there's. I think the prologue is like the 50s. Yeah, it that's like a zombie. Essentially, it's like a zombie film. Yeah. Um, it's fun though. It's really fun. Uh, and it's kind of gory. I should um, I should put that on my list for watching tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's also co-written by none other than Shane Black, who uh wrote Lethal Weapon one and two, Last Action Hero, uh, wrote and directed Iron Man three. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He also was in uh Predator. He played. Who did he play? Shane. Yo, Rick. Rick Hawkins. I don't know if there was a Shane in that. <laughs> uh, Rick Hawkins, the guy who like with the glasses, who dies pretty early on. I ain't got time okay. to bleed. <laughs> I can't. I can't say my favorite line from the Predator because it's inappropriate. But um. It makes you into a sexual tyrannosaurus. Yes. What well, was the damn? You got a. I didn't, why'd you say it twice? I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there was that. That's it's kind of sets the, the the stage that you know there's this amulet. The bad guy's going to be after it. Dracula's going to be after it. Uh, then you, you you have your monster squad. It's uh, Rudy is of course like the the one guy. Then you have uh, Horace, a Kate back kid. And you have Sean. And what's the other kid's name? Eugene. Eugene. Eugene's, well, Eugene's the, the little one. Yeah, he yeah. really kind of took me out of it a bit. Oh, Patrick. But... Patrick is the other one. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Sean and, is your uh, standard uh, leader kid protagonist. Yes. Um, you know, he, Eugene he had... was the little kid. He was like, I, it, I, I'm kind of with you, Shad. It's like, is this guy, is this kid related to the other ones? Oh, no, he isn't. And why is he like, he, you what, know, what I didn't, why I didn't like him is with the, the little sister was better being the little kid, which made him kind of. Yeah. Unneeded. Yeah. He was kind of unnecessary. I'm not really sure, you know, what, what his purpose served. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not. Other than asking, like trying to ask him his sister was a virgin, which that seems <laughs> awkward and hilarious, but like you could have oh, yeah. done that with someone else too. There were lots of people you could have done that with, but it, it's Eugene did not fucking lied. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, oh my Steve, god. But that doesn't count. Does it count? I was so I was that... so pissed off at her because it wasn't working. He's like, why is it working? I'm like, because the bitch lied to you and she's done things. The 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 reaction to well, he doesn't count. Their reaction to that was just I was sitting in my chair watching it and. She, well, that doesn't count. And they go, doesn't count. Like, they just bellow that at her. And I was like, yeah, that's there, There's so many little moments and lines in this film that are just purely, like, hilarious. And, and they're almost, like, meme-worthy. Like, they're yeah. they're just really funny. And it's – that's kind of what makes the appeal of this movie. Um, but basically, yeah. yeah go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the other thing that really shocked me with this movie – is it's only 82 minutes and I feel oh, like it's really quick. Yeah. And I feel like, and I feel like this with a lot of older movies. Like I feel like more happens in the 82 minutes of this movie. And it also has more time to breathe than like a two and a half hour movie today. Yeah. This movie is like a sprint kind of, um, there's some things that don't make sense. Like 
Uh, but maybe because it's like such quick runtime, they've established that. Like know, why the it, why the cockpit of the plane just needed a lava lamp to be like a perfect yeah. shag then. Well, just even getting to that point, it's like okay, they've established that this amulet it's really important. You know, uh, and you all know what the sudden, cockpit mm. reminded me of is if you've ever seen Plan Nine from Outer Space when they're in the plane and it's just awful. It, it gave me yeah. vibes of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah. Um basically you you you, sh- you see just like a, a cockpit of a plane it's a plane they're, they're kind of established in like 10 seconds that oh we're being paid to like with deliver like velvet dis- carpet for walls like practically yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. like really like for a movie i thought held up pretty well visually for mm-hmm. most of it that was other than the vortex which aged poorly like that was the worst yeah. visual yes. in the whole movie um they're, it's established like they're they're delivering like cargo of which it's like dead bodies and other stuff or at least one Something. dead body yeah and the, the one guy hears a noise and he goes back and it's like a big coffin and he's Dracula Dracula is there and he's like caressing like this big coffin which you find out is with Frankenstein's monster in it but uh, there's a scene where he the guy like basically like dumps. Frankenstein's monsters like the, the coffin down uh, mm-hmm. to below, which winds up being like in a swamp, and then Dracula like flies after him. Uh, and it's it's never really established. It's like where the hell do they come from? Where yeah. where are they going? And clearly, it's like they're being chartered from I guess Transylvania. Where where did America. you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> I, I don't know if Pat and I Joe made any um, yeah 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 appearance in this, but maybe um. There's a lot of things that's like, well, this doesn't make sense. And all of a sudden, things start going crazy, like in the town. Like, there's a guy who just gets arrested by the cops. He's ranting and raving about being a werewolf. Mm -hmm. To the point where he, like, tries to get a cop's gun because he wants to be, he wants to die. And the cops shoot him. I thought he was the best of the monster characters. He was, the Wolfman was very, like, established because it's it really did play up the whole, like, it's a curse. Like, the guy who was the werewolf yeah. didn't want to be the werewolf. He he was in a tortured existence. Because there's even a point where he tries to call the, 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 the father of the main character, Sean, is the yes. sheriff of town. He even tries to call him in human form at one point to warn him. Yes, played by Stephen Macht. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He was, like, a character actor, but he did, like, an amazing job. Uh, they have there's like so many little tidbits that it's like they could have explored this more, yeah. but it added like a lot of characterization to it where it's like him, Stephen Mock and his wife, uh, who was played by Mary Trainer, who was actually has been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, there were some especially a lot of the adults were very. Um, oh, you've mm-hmm. seen this person in like. Yes. Even even Frankenstein's monster. If you've seen Manhunter, he was the. He was the um, the killer in that movie. Yes. Which, if you don't know what Manhunter is, that is the original um, adaptation. Red yeah, Red Dragon. Francis not... Dollarhide. Yep, that's who he was in that, and he's a real fucking creep in that movie. Yeah, he's he's a character actor. He's usually playing like villains. He played the Ripper in Last Action Hero, uh, which mm. is also written by Shane Black. He played the main villain in RoboCop Two. Oh, I forgot uh, he was in RoboCop too. Yeah, he's been in like a ton of stuff. Um, and I thought he did really for being a guy that's usually a bad guy. He was very sympathetic. This 
yeah, I, I he plays Dracula. Uh, sorry, he plays Frankenstein's monster, and this is probably the like most unqualified, good or heroic version of Frankenstein's monster, like in just about all of cinema. Like he, there's no like evil or guile to him. He Dracula basically is because the whole I, I left out this tidbit, but uh, and this is kind of like. I, I thought we we're supposed to be in a world where these monsters are in theory supposed to be just like, Oh, it's just like fictional entertainment guys. But the mom of Sean, like Sean's mom gives him like, Oh, I felt like they got a, they, they got a hold of this like diary that says it's written by Abraham Van Helsing. The guy and Sean's like, it's all excited because, you know, Van Helsing is the, the classic vampire hunter slash Dracula nemesis. Mm-hmm. But he gets upset because it's like it's all in um, it's all written in German. So he's like, what the hell? Like he can't he can't translate it because he doesn't know German, uh, which gets them to connect with this uh, what they call the scary German guy who's basically yeah. the German a German immigrant who lives in their neighborhood who kind of keeps it himself. But they have in their mind like have created all this. He's like a monster. He's he's evil. kind he's, of um. He's kind of like this movie's version of I'm going to go real old school here. He's kind of their version of Boo Radley. That's that's very mm-hmm. old school. I was thinking of um uh the neighbor, the oh, the snow shovel guy from Home Alone. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. not bad. Uh it's kind of like that where in they they clearly like subverted expectations there where it's like oh is he, who is this going to be and it's like no he's actually like a really kindly old man yeah he just keeps it himself like he i, he I admit the, mm-hmm. i'm i'm sorry yeah. i know i'm stepping in there matt but no, you're fine i have to admit i loved how they subverted that because mm-hmm. you've got the guys the the kids go standing at the gate looking at going well who's going to talk to him and then he what you know he walks up off screen he's like oh you know, talk to who, and they all turn. They're like, "Oh crap!" And when it comes back to him, he's standing there with a knife. He goes, "You're almost out of time." And he's holding this giant knife. If you want more pie, and I know, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, you know what? I appreciate that fake out. That's that's I I appreciate that fake out. That's good stuff." He's absolutely like a a, a great uh, individual to them. He he gives his time it's clearly it's like this is just like an older guy like he's well not a bad guy at all he's being kindly he's giving them their time um and he eventually like you know he he becomes friendly with them yeah and and you here's another well go ahead what are you gonna say i was gonna say you 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 learn part of why they never say it outright and i gotta give him credit for that but they never say outright why he's kind of a recluse Mm -hmm. but they give you enough that's like, oh, you know, you're going to pick that up. And it's like, oh, I totally get why he's reclusive. Watching this as a kid, I did not understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, obviously, you know. Yeah. Uh, he There's a line because they kind of – he becomes friendly and they, he, he comes aware that the monster squad – I mean he doesn't know that there's you know monsters. People don't really know at this point necessarily. But uh, he does uh, – he he gives a line where he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you would say I know something about monsters myself. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, says goodbye to them, and he, he shows him closing the door, and it lingers on his forearm, and you see that he has uh, numbers tattooed on his arm, which yeah. clearly establishes if you are an adult, like this this German individual 
was a concentration camp survivor. Yeah. So it's like he has seen like horrible evil. He's seen the man's inhumanity towards man. Like he's seen it. Yeah. But it also just established like this guy was the fact that he had concentration camp survivor number on it. He was I guess he could have been one of the many other people that the Germans rounded up to kill uh, yeah. a dissident or whatever. But probably he was a Jewish individual uh, and managed to survive. And at, at, timeline wise in the 80s, this would have been like 40 years afterwards. So he's but it's it all, another I mean, awesome if he was character a, establishing moment where if it's he like, was yeah, like a kid why? or a teenager. He'd only be in his 50s. I mean, I, I think people. Mm-hmm. Especially younger people now don't realize, especially when the, the three of us were kids, like mm-hmm. there was still a lot of World War One like vets around mm-hmm. and stuff. So, you know, it just. Yeah, like my great uncle only passed away. I don't know, three, four years ago, he was a World War Two vet and uh, he was a tank mechanic. I mean, but. Uh... So my grandfather was an ambulance driver, but my grandmother was um, she was a war bride that came over. She lived through the like Nazi bombing of England. Oh, yeah, because that's what I don't think people realize that someone said something to me once about like, did you play jokes on your grandmother? I'm like, my grandmother survived the Nazi blitzkrieg. No, no. No. (laughs) Yeah, you did not do stuff like that to her. Yeah, there there are times you just don't step in it. It's um, like no, like she is a very nice woman, but like she was a hard ass woman because you don't live through something like that without like being, you know, having a you, hard edge to you. Yeah, you're not gonna get through that without some scars. Now, at the end of the movie, there were a few moments when I was watching that, thinking to myself. Oh, there's going to be some PTSD out of this moment right here. But, uh, you know, we're just going to keep going because the movie's clipping along. We do need to talk about the one act of villainy in this movie that was a step too far. And that was the Gill Man stealing the kid's Twinkie. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. This, the Gill Man, I I was going to bring it up later when he has his brief moment before he dies. Um, But (laughs) this, this Gill Man design... I flat out will tell you, I think Freddie Winston, like classic uh, practical effects guy, did this one. Mm-hmm. I still think this is probably like the best uh, visual representation of like the creature from the Black Lagoon, Gilman. It would be up film. there. It's amazing. He looks, it's it's clearly like a reptilian monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I think actually makes this one over the top is that it makes like a weird noise. Like when it comes out of the sewer at the end where it's like mm-hmm. making this weird inhuman noise, but it's also, it's the eyes. He has like basically fish eyes where it's just like that. The, you see like fish eyes. They're just like staring into space. It's not like even like other, like even reptilian eyes necessarily, but certainly mammalian eyes it's where you, you see even like a lot of mammals, even like lack of way better way to put it like the dumber animals like a cow like prey mm-hmm. an- prey animals like there's not a lot going on but you can still see like there's stuff going on behind They're their perceiving you. yeah yeah uh obviously if you have something that's like a higher level organism that's really more like a predator animal like a, even a dog a dog technically is descended from wolves it's like a predator animal we, we're predators like you can see like a dog dogs are really expression 
full eyes. Even my cat, my cat, you know, my cat will like look at me and, and I feel like half the time she's like plotting violence. But yeah, it's, it's the cats, usually, the cats are expressive and usually their expression is not giving a shit. Their yeah, expression but, is like, usually if I was bigger, I would be eating you right now. But the gill man's eyes here are like fish eyes and it's like you don't know what the hell he's looking at it's it's just it, it looks very inhuman the whole thing it's like he believably is just some sort of hideous monster so i love this this version of Gilman, even though his total it for an 18 minute film like his total screen time is probably like two of those minutes like he's, he's yeah. not but it does lead to one and his death leads to one of the most awesome moments in the in the movie like fat kid horace yeah blows him away with a shotgun and I mean, jason hurry what is it what is the line he say like hey fat kid, fat kid. And, and 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 he goes the name is horace he, the he wrecks awesome. the shotgun he yeah. goes my name is horace and it's just yeah. like you know how dumb do you have to be to insult the guy you saw just take a 12 gauge mm-hmm. and drop the monster right in front of you uh I, I, I don't know, but you were saying, you know, Gilman's design here is I, I agree with you. Out of all the Black Lagoon creatures I've seen, this is the one that, at least to me, looks most monstrous. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because, at least for me, it is juxtaposed by a Wolfman design that I care nothing for. Like, I, I do not like the Wolfman design they went with here. I didn't hate Cause it. I, I, it's very, it's kind of a take on the um, universal Wolfman, which is different than you would necessarily think. There's mm-hmm. from in my mind, and I will fully admit personal bias, but in my mind, um, the Wolfman has a snout. Like Wolfman, in my mind, Wolfman is snouted, and this particular Wolfman mask is um, is you know the the design is that the face is is flattened, and I just I don't love that. But, um, but Shad, we do know that the Wolfman does indeed have nards. He he does. That is made abundantly clear i don't know what that one came was thinking the wolfman doesn't have nards like it's an it's a mammal dude like just go for it yeah what 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 are you waiting for dude man he fucking he fucking kicked that wolfman (laughs) right in the dick wolfman's got nards (laughs) that's one of the that's probably the most enduring line yeah that that's the first thing you hear when people hear that movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm Yeah, uh, I'm kind of with you, Shad. I actually didn't mind the design, but I like the transformation. Uh, but I, I, I wasn't like in love with this Wolfman. Yeah, I'm it, sh- uh, the the face looks weird. Uh, it almost he almost looks more like some sort of anthropomorphic like rat version. Yeah, than, yeah. Than than a werewolf. Uh, Him being a little more uncanny valley though, I did like a bit. The way they did it, there was something very unsettling about the appearance. If if you have seen uh, the movie or seen stills at least of the film Curse of the Werewolf from 1961, it's a little more like that. Yeah, that might be why making it a callback. But 
for in my mind, if you're going to have a Wolfman, then I my mind is going to an American werewolf in Paris or an American mm-hmm. werewolf in London style. Like that's American werewolf in London. Cause I, which is Paris weird, one was that's kind of the transformation they took was an American werewolf in which is the first one, London. London. They took the transformation from that movie, but that movie would have only been a couple years before this. I think that was in 81 or 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. By the way. Um, just as an aside, have, have you guys seen like the 2010 remake of the Wolfman with Benicio no. del Toro no. and Anthony Hopkins? It was like a bomb. Um, I'm not saying it's great, but I didn't mind it. I don't like anything other than that um, that Netflix series, the 2020 Dracula or the 2019 Dracula. That was interesting. Um, I actually thought Clay Spang, I think as he pronounced it, like he was actually really good in that. I haven't liked any real modern interpretations of the um, Universal stuff. Yeah, the only one yeah. I the I, I did I did like Bram Bram Stoker's Dracula in like the 90s was okay, mm-hmm. and I think. I don't know why people hate Frank the the um the Frankenstein from the same era very much. I think Kenneth Branagh did that. Yeah, because like people seem to not like that one. I'm like, yeah, but that's actually accurate to the book. Yeah, that's actually not a bad one. Uh, no, I think, think I'm 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 going off of memory, and I might be wrong, but I think there was a perception that people saw it as like a bad knockoff or attempted cash in. And it's like, well, but I don't, I I didn't understand why, Mm -hmm. but that's seems to be floating around in the back of my mind. So because of Bram Stoker's Dracula being successful. Yeah. But I, I think it was better than the Bram Stoker's Dracula movie or it's held up better in my opinion. You're not getting argument out of me. That's just like, I'm sitting here going is, I remember something to that effect. But I couldn't. I couldn't tell you why. I love. I love Keanu Reeves in a non-ironic way, and um, that, him actually said so why. And it, watching him try to act in Bram Stoker's Dracula like just hurts my heart. Oh. Because there's a point where he's like tried to like act horrified, and like his like lips just kind of twitching a bit, and I was just like, oh my god, dude, like just stop. Look, there is a certain amount of of. I'm I'm going to. I'm not trying to take the piss out of him in saying this, but there's a certain amount of charm to Keanu Reeves in in Speed shouting, I am an FBI agent! It's like, why are you, why are you, you know, that's, that's what we're going with here, okay. But he's also, there are some roles he's in that just, fit like a you know he i'm not to this is going to be a terrible pun but he he kills it in john wick and it's great he's good as neo in the first matrix movie and then they really went away from his strengths and the well <laughs> i'm sorry the they were gonna go really 
away from his strengths in the movie and then the Wolkowski brothers were in that horrible plane crash and those sequels that would have been awesome never happened yeah. oh uh, yeah so, there was only one yeah. Matrix film yeah. I'm not really sure yeah, what you're talking about and, 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 I, I, they, yeah. they thought about doing more yeah and they did oh yeah they, but they, I'm glad that they didn't because there's no way that those films actually lived up to the original and, and oh, I'm really glad I'm really glad they didn't like try to do one in like 2018 where everyone was like 50 plus years old and the fight oh, scenes were just terrible because everyone was old and I don't even think Agent Smith was still alive for that one, so he wasn't even in right. it. But you know, I'm glad they didn't do that either. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I I heard I heard something like they found uh like they found notes about it somewhere, and man, I'm glad they didn't. Right. Well, no, it's like it's like um it's like Polybius. If you read the script to the 2018 movie, you go insane. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Brad! You brought up Polybius. Oh my god! I'm gonna have to watch that AVGN about that it, it is it's actually it's really good and then he also did uh avgn this year did um a revisit of dr jekyll and mr hyde oh, full wow. bore full bore um it. no well yeah full bore but it, trying to beat it but also as like a full-on exorcist homage so yeah, they've been uh, going weird with him and doing stuff I haven't thought has worked the last couple of it's, years. It's because it's because he got bought out. Yeah, and so and he, he's I, not really. And notice, like he had no PR blunders for like decades until that company bought him, and then they had like yeah. a plagiarism thing. Yeah, and like some other stuff. Like James Rolfe knows his craft and knows what he's doing. But then whenever they brought him stuff, they're like, here, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know. I can't swear to it. I, I don't actually know. But it sometimes I, it feels like that they're they send him a script and they say, we want you to do this. And he goes, yeah, sure, whatever. Well, I think I think also like Mike Maytai was like a big part of like understanding what would work and what did not work for the nerd oh yeah because yeah, like having way, him play that... kingdom hearts like that's not an avgn no deal. that's not an avgn game yeah but anyway so yeah so um so anyway like what were we talking about before we we talked about how the matrix only had that one banger of a movie and mm. uh what was keanu in that Oh, we were talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's right. Oh, okay. All right, all right. There, what, there it was. It, it did make me sad though. I watched the original Underworld um, a couple years ago, and that movie does not hold up well. Oh, um, really? Other than the leather outfit, which holds up very well. <laughs> I liked it back in the day. I did too. I, it just it I, wasn't great. Didn't they make like a bunch of sequels? I, oh, I've there's seen, like, like a shitload of sequels. I've seen. And she's only in like I think the first one. I think I've seen the first sequel for sure. I can't claim to have seen any. I think she I, I, I may that. have, but she might be. Uh, I don't know if I. Seen I can't remember before. her name, but I mean, I can picture Kate her. Kate Beckinsale. In, yeah, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. I can yeah. I can picture her in the the leather outfit. <laughs> so. That's I mean, that was that was <laughs> yeah. the marketing the marketing. Uh, plan there Which that like, was so like a sign of like the, the 90s when was that i'm 20, it was 2002 that. i think was mm. underworld maybe 2000 it was it was in that 2002 to 2004 era i think though it benefited 
that one benefited a lot from um blade one well, vampire the masquerade was oh, out okay. at the time yeah i'm I was hoping so bad that... i want them to cancel that fucking blade movie so bad because it is like i'm sorry but you should be beaten you should be thrown in a burlap sack and beaten with a stick if you try to make a blade movie without wesley snipes like it's just wrong it's the uh the past what is it the passenger 56 uh passenger 56 uh strategy always bet on black yeah i just i just it's just and they could have had him for the sequel like like he's like he's gonna turn down money <laughs> might get taxed um oh yeah that's true now the other side of that is also i saw blade trinity and I understand exactly why he sued them over that. Like oh, they, I totally not, get it. It's really not good. They could. It's have, not even a Blade movie. They He's could have, incidental. They could have. They could have farted one of those out at like medium level for decades every third year, and it would have made money if they hadn't have released that movie. I I am so confused as to how. You well, okay. I know how they did it. I'm so confused as to why they did it. Where you're gonna have a Blade movie, where the characters from the first two that persist, like Whistler is dead in the first three to five minutes, and then spoiler, sorry. Is that the one Triple H was in? Yep. Yeah, that was the problem right there. And Blade is barely in the movie he is the marquee character he is barely barely in the movie and you know then what happened there they the... were like they they approached wesley snipes and they're like um well we want we want to do a third movie and he's like okay it'll cost you 20 million dollars they're like okay well what do we get for five grand it's like you, oh, get, okay. you get you get like a cell phone i'll be there like yeah, I'll be there like five minutes. Like. He he still had a badass fight. He had a, a badass fight scene at the end of it. But they had this stupid thing where they – it was like, okay, Ryan Reynolds was in it. Ryan Reynoldsing around before Ryan Reynolds got notoriety for Ryan Reynoldsing. But then it was like, oh, Jessica Biel's in it. She was – you know, Who and the there's – fuck gives a shit about Jessica Biel though? It, it gets worse because – they're like, oh, you know, this was connected to a previous character. It's like, oh, gee, sure would have been nice to explore that a little bit. Too bad we're too late for that. And it's like, oh, she likes to listen to music when she hunts. I'm like, you're hunting vampires with your headphones in on your iPod. Are you kidding me? Like, that's I was just things completely that like, pulled oh, out of the so movie. So cool. It'd be so cool. If she did this. And it's like, this makes no sense. Like, oh, I'm going to have like music blasting. So I don't see any any anyone that comes like basically outside of my peripheral vision or right in front of me. Yeah, I was it, it so no pulled sense. out of the movie immediately. And uh, just it's, doing it's that. something that um, Disney loves doing with their various umbrellas right now. But it's like if I'm watching if I'm going to see a Blade movie, you know what I want in a Blade movie? I want Blade. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a funny part. Did you ever see Dracula 2000? Which came out in about this era. I feel like I have it a long time ago. So there's my favorite part is when 
the vampire hunter guy shows up. He pulls a cross out, and the vampire's like, sorry, mate, I'm an atheist. He's like, well, God still loves you, and cuts his head off. <laughs> what was... um? That was in a... I think it was Jim Carrey's first movie. They did a joke about that. Oh, bite of the... Love at first bite. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, one of them holds up a cross. She goes, well, I'm an atheist. And the other one, like, holds up, like, a lighter and a... Uh, and a can of hairspray. She goes, fire on the other hand, and starts backing up. I'm like, okay, all right, I can appreciate that. That's fair enough. God, you just got me all pissed off about Blade Trinity. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's like I said, Wesley Snipes sued them for there not being enough Blade in a Blade movie. It's like I I get it, dude. Well, it's like you want some badass like vampire hunting to give you Jessica Biel. Like, come the fuck on. It's like, look, I understand you wanted to have... You want to have your some, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, blah 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 Well, you wanted to have comic relief and have Patton Oswalt be the tech guy. Okay, fine. Because they've, you know, they did that with Norman Reedus. And, like, Blade 2 is goofy as hell, but I still really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed Blade 2 more than I enjoyed the first one. But, you know, it's like, okay, I get that. But you're making your primary vampire hunter character not the franchise character like well, the title character of the movie you're we're gonna ignore and but yeah like when it, so this is the thing considering like what the i mean the audience for this movie is obviously action heroes and stuff but it's like you really don't think that you're not gonna piss people off if they come in expecting expecting your main character to be a black vampire hunter and you give them a skinny white girl you didn't think that wasn't gonna piss like some people off and she doesn't have all their strengths and other weaknesses so what are we even doing here yeah i don't i'm sorry that was a running gag uh for the the guys on my the floor in my dorm for like most of the time i lived there was all their strengths none of their weaknesses anytime anytime you were confused why it's like I wonder why that's popular. Has all their strengths and none of their weaknesses. Like every time. And Jessica Beal did not have that. So therefore the movie fails. God, that's God, fuck that movie, seriously. <laughs> I, I just I it, the best thing is that I actually thought Blade 2 is awesome. Well yeah, yeah. cuz like it, the, the Blade could be as goofy as possible if if Wesley Snipes is on screen doing some badass like staking of vampires like I was mm -hmm. all in, like, everything else is good, and then they, like, totally took that out of Trinity. Yeah. Like, Blade 2 is fun. It, 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 it gets a little wound up and cheesy sometimes, but you know what? It's still fun. It's still got awesome stuff in it. You have a vampire. You have Blade kill a guy with a vertical suplex, and another vampire drops a flying elbow on Blade. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you know what? I'm. This is so silly, and I am here for it. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, they missed out on the formula. That so was they. Just, they screwed a lot of stuff up in that era. Remember the um. Remember that god awful Planet of the Apes movie, the Marky Mark one or whatever. Hmm. Uh, I did that not Tim watch Burton it. Did? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch it. It's not good. I, I, I didn't care. That, the late 90s, early 2000s was like a weird period for some stuff. Because you remember that? My, do you remember like the 
they're trying to do Lost in Space. They did a Lost in Space movie. Oh, oh yes. Darker and edgier. It's like, or, okay, no. Please. It was supposed to be Matt LeBlanc's action platform or platform to be an action hero or an action movie mm-hmm. star. Yeah. And that went about as well as, um, I won't make the joke because it's too soon. <laughs> yeah. Do they know what yeah. happened to him yet? Did he just like fall asleep and drown or do they know what happened yet? They were quick to say, like, no drugs were found at the scene. That doesn't mean booze, though. I'd be more worried about booze. Yeah. Uh, he would still be off the wagon in that case, which is would be unfortunate with the work he was trying to do. But it would be. It could still it, happen. That's not that's there, not an uncommon thing that if you drink. That's why they, they tell you, like, if you're going to drink, like, don't go in the jacuzzi. Because, yeah. like, the warm water will relax you and make you tired. And if you're imbibed alcohol like you could be extra sleepy and then you you may be in a state that you like pass out and can't like wake up and then you you know you go under the water and that's it and I guess calling it a jacuzzi is a misnomer because it's pool sized oh okay but I I think Uh, you're going to see a lot of conspiracy theories about this but like I don't think oh you already are you already are but I'm going to say this as someone that works in an industry that sees a lot of this like you know bad stuff happen People drowning in their hot tub is not as uncommon as you'd think it is. I agree, and I think I think what happened, even if there was no drugs or alcohol involved, he then okay that he just got really relaxed because that's what happens in in jacuzzis. Like that's why people get jacuzzis because, especially if you have like musculoskeletal issues. Well, if he has if he had if he had like an enlarged heart or something, you like hot tubs explicitly warn you that if you stay in after a certain point, like you're at risk of a cardiac episode. Yeah. And even if that wasn't the case, like it, again, he could be relaxed and you just pass out. And if it's, if it really was full size, that's it. But there are, there are people who are already like conspiracy theory. And look, I'm not, you can drown I, your fucking bathtub. I don't think people realize yeah. like they, it, there's a thing called dry drowning. Like it, it, it does not take much yeah. water to drown if you if it hits you right. I'm not, I'm not one way or the other in terms of like because people are crazy one way or the other. I'm not mm. crazy one way or the other. But there are people who are already like, oh, you know, Matt Matt, Matt Perry real big on pushing the vaccine it's like oh, oh my god. god oh no no there's other people like they're trying to make it like oh that's how he died it's like <laughs> jesus christ guys like can you wow. not like yeah they're it's doing not that even like the body them. isn't cold yet it's also Bit like late on not, that one too wouldn't can it be you not do like weird conspiracy theories that that's what happened versus like a million other things not to not the least of which we hope he this isn't the case but it's like the guy could have easily relapsed on drugs or alcohol and that's what caused it yeah you can't i hope that's not the case but it's also like that's more believable than like oh he got the covid vaccine and that's he, he had a cardiac I, so it's like are, are you just pulling out the greatest hits from like what three years ago and no, hoping it sticks this time is if, that if there's if there's a mysterious death you got the vaccine and um you died of the vaccine now if you die of a mysterious illness though then you're an anti-vaxxer and you had covid no matter what they say that it's not covid oh Um, yeah because that's um i don't remember her name someone someone has pneumonia really bad right now and people are convinced that they have covid it's like they're not the same thing dipshit 
one can lead into the other, but they're they're not synonymous. Yeah, but like that's that's what happens. So if you if you die if you die under mysterious circumstances, then you got the vax and died. And then if you have a mystery illness, you're an anti-vaxxer and you're dying of COVID, even though it's cancer or something. But it's like it's why I it's why I fucking hate everyone in my current day and age. Because that's why so I said tough. I'm not. I'm not crazy one way or the other. It's but people people are like that. One, <laughs> oh, it must be the COVID vaccine. It's like okay, guys, really? They like, thought real. that they thought the Bills player that died on the field last year got the, was it was because of the oh, vaccine. Yeah. It's like no, like there's a doctor that literally fucking explains in a video that the way he got hit stopped his heart. Yeah, I. I... <clears throat> I think that guy's playing this season, actually. Uh, yeah, he made his recovery. I think I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone on the field again. I don't know, man. I, look, it. I can understand why is the best way I can put it because <clears throat> my body is like, I, I I can't. Like I I will tell you this, I can't. Much as I might want to, I can't get back in the ring. But man, I miss it. And if but, he was, if he had gone out there and been like, "Hey, you know, I've done all of this stuff. I'm ch- I check out good. Now I'm gonna go back into the game." It's like I, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So. But this tells me that you either got the vaccine and you can't wrestle anymore or you're an anti-vaxxer and that's because Oh, sweet God. <laughs> Is that, <laughs> it, the fact that I hung my boots up, what, like like eight years before COVID? Yes, you're patient it? zero. Oh, sweet God. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah, co- COVID, COVID screwed my neck up. COVID shoot on your spinal... Yeah. Call him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. COVID, COVID, COVID. I took a bad COVID bump, guys. And... I'm serious, like <laughs> just off topic, but man, the amount of people like that COVID rotted their brains is just exhausting. It, yeah, it. What's the word I'm looking for here? It was a it was a difficult time for a lot of people, and in hindsight. I mean, we could look back at it now and throw a lot of criticism and say this, that, the other, and something else. But I feel for most people, I did not say all, but for most people, it seemed like they were just trying to be safe and do the appropriate thing in most cases. But you know, Captain Hindsight strikes again in a lot of these cases and be like, well, this should have happened and this should have happened. And it's like nobody knew, you know, Yeah, there's a couple people I'm going to be honest with. If I saw them crossing the street, I would not break. <laughs> for. Especially like the especially like the um, especially the repeated like fucking with people's livelihoods. And then, like, six months later, like, oh, our bad, like, the science was bad. It's like, and, like, yeah, fuck you. Why don't we talk about the months and months of bullying that went on with that? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think this is super political to say, but if I saw Fauci crossing the street, I wouldn't break for him. Because if you if you go into his career beyond like his fuck ups with COVID, like a lot of the problems with AIDS and like the stigmatizing came from him, you know, doing what he did during COVID. And he backed the wrong treatment for that, too. I have not looked at any of that. But a lot of that stuff about like the blood and all that and like how you could spread it via saliva came from shit he wrote early on. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So he's a he's a piece of shit. Um, and that's not political, because if you if you dig into any of that stuff, he is a fucking piece of shit. And I will be glad when he's dead and out of the government. Hmm. Brad, don't hold back. Tell us. How I, you well, really you know, I wouldn't thing. I wouldn't fucking hate him so much if he didn't get like this cult of personality around him. And then he started saying like dumb shit for attention that just made it harder for it to be taken seriously. Hmm. And he really, I mean, really the mask thing at first, like, fucked it all up because that was a level of trust that it was obvious that he lied about that. And, like, I think that just set everything back, like, put everything on a wrong foot. And, like, it's hard to get people to follow along when you betray their trust, like, step one. So, Monster Squad... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we digressed a bit. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do my gimmick here. So Monster Squad. Uh, I digressed. I digressed from talking about uh, Frankenstein's monster w- w- like hours ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do think this is probably the most heroic version of mon- of uh, Frankenstein's monster. He's unquestionably he becomes a friend of the Monster Squad. He doesn't want to listen to Dracula, who he even calls Master. He doesn't want to go and like hurt the Monster Squad to get Van Helsing's diary. He well, befriends he kind of... Phoebe, the little girl who is Sean's yeah. like sister. Like he's actually like a good a good character. He's presented kind of as like almost like he's intellectually like he's kind of um like he's has a cognitive disorder. Like he's not presented as very bright. I feel like he, especially with some of his facial expressions, I feel like he studied the Peter Boyle um, Frankenstein monster. <laughs> Free Frankenstein. Because wow. there's there's some of his facial expressions and stuff is very Peter Boyle, and mm. some of so, like. But I think he might have done that to like get like a softer interpretation of him. So my my take on that because when when you guys said that in our chat i got to thinking about it and especially with the friendship with phoebe it made me think about in the book when when the monster or adam as the name he takes for himself as adam is out there running around like the when he first wakes up and he's out there running around and stuff he's a very innocent entity like he is he is guileless he is just trying to understand he's just trying to make his way he's he's doing stuff in the middle of the night for that family in the woods like chopping wood for them and stuff like and he meets a little girl who he has a positive uh interaction with except her family wigs the hell out on him Mm -hmm. and and that sort of like i think shoots him and then as it turns out you know he is more human than human because he gets shot and it just kind of heals over real quick so Victor was was on to something there, but well, that's... like really, I mean, really, I mean, honestly, if you go by the book, his request wasn't that unreasonable, in my opinion. 
which was, hey, like, you did this to me. I'm all fucked up. Can you at least make me like a woman to like at least have, have? Yeah. Yeah. Can I like, have a wife and we can go like live somewhere together away from everybody. Yeah. Like, can I at least have like my own con- like someone that like at least like looks like me? But like, so I, I don't feel like his request was um that. uh that um off base I mean, yeah and and really though he, he got off to a bad start because like so in the book the book's way different so that uh he kind of like freaks out when he originally like does the experiment with the monster it doesn't wake up right away i don't think and then he like wakes up and the monster like looks at him and smiles and he like flips the fuck out yeah so the <clears throat> when he throws the switch and the monster wakes up he kind of freaks out but it it doesn't seem to work, and he's like, "Oh, I screwed up. Oh, this was terrible." Why and he goes to bed, and he wakes up, and the monster's just standing there because the monster's like, "Hey, uh, I don't know who I am or where I am." Or, and then Victor wigs way the hell out and just runs off and leaves him. Like, there's a very sympathetic story to what you know what happens to the monster, and then, like you said, when Victor. Uh, you know, goes back on the deal. That's when the 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 terror kicks in. I mean, like, Victor things really ramp up. Victor is as much a bad guy as the monster is in the book, and I mean, honestly, yeah. like, I think he's supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah, he's he's not supposed to be, he's not supposed to be an admirable character. And if, and, if you haven't read these, if you're gonna read the books, don't read Dracula because that book is crap. Um, read read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because she actually wrote a good book. Uh, I love the story behind that. That was um, everybody hanging out. You know, it, it was this long, hard winter, and it's Mary Shelley and her husband and another couple, and they're like, "Well, okay, let's have us a little contest. Who who writes the best scary story?" And all right, we're gonna break, and we're all gonna go, and we're gonna write scary stories, and. Uh, and we're going to see who comes up with the best one. And that was what she came up with. But she was kind of, I think Mary Shelley was kind of already goth. Um, like, didn't, I, I, I'm not going to go with any of the, the legends without checking on it. Cause that just seems irresponsible, but, but I think she comes up with a story. Wasn't Lord Byron, one of the ones in on the whole, write th- the best ghost story. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was. But I don't know. I don't remember what anybody else wrote. I think the other stuff got. You know what? I have the internet in front of me. Why don't I just? Because her husband was like a poet too, but I don't think he would. I. He, I think yeah. he might have been more. Because Mary Shelley kind of got popular in the modern era. Like the Last Man was kind of a nothing when it came out, and that picked up like a lot of attention in the um. The World War Two era. And famously is in the first episode of The Twilight Zone on the book racks. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so it was – they spent a summer near Geneva. It was Mary, her husband, and her stepsister hanging out with Lord Byron and uh, John William Polidori. Now, let's see. Uh, her husband was uh, Percy Burns Shelley, and 
They're hanging out like Geneva, and now I am trying to – I'm scanning Wikipedia as fast as I can looking for what I can about what the other people wrote. It's supposed to be everybody wrote a ghost story. I bet, I bet they don't even know what the other ones wrote. Uh, I think they do because they still have the like original notes for hers, but I thought one or two of the others had been – Maybe I don't like know. it was it's not refined like it, into something. It doesn't matter. It, it wasn't that long ago either, because I think she was alive in like what the mid 1800s. Yeah. Regardless, that whole digression that was my fault this time. But read is, read uh, Frankenstein instead of Dracula. Dracula is a pretty boring book. It comes out of I think that it's it's more true to the original story, and that's because the friendship with Phoebe and. All that kind of stuff. But hilarious. It was refreshing to see it. Don't put it that way. Hilarious side note to like the Dracula book though is like so you know it's written in the 1800s too. But like when um I think is Mina the one that goes down first? Uh, in Dracula, Lucy? yeah, Isn't it Lucy. Lucy. So when Lucy gets sick, they're trying to give her blood transfusions, and they're just willy nilly like shoving all these different people's bloods into her. I'm like Jesus uh. Christ, like. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna kill her that way. <laughs> I was like, "There's these five like suitors there. Like, oh yeah, you can take my blood." It's like, yeah, I didn't do any blood type. No talk of it. Like, oh yeah, she's she's gonna just die. yeah, just you know what? We'll just put it in a rag and wring it out over yeah, her mouth. If she doesn't sure, like it, we'll, if she doesn't like it. We'll get the leeches. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I had forgotten all about that part. Um. Anyway. So we've got this nice interplay with Frankenstein there, and um, God, where where the hell were we talking about the movie at this point? Because I, I I'm I am lost. We were kind of going monster by monster and discussing oh, them. Okay. All right. Um, I guess that leaves us at Drac, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, you're on the, uh, you're on, like, the, the TV tropes. There are some people on TV tropes that, like, really were hyping up. It's like, this is one of the best ver- film versions of Dracula ever. No, and it's not. I don't <sighs> think I would say that, but... He's the I weak link think... of the monsters, in my opinion. Well, I don't think he's that bad. It's, it's, I do it's like... clearly, it's clearly meant to be, like, a, uh... Like an homage of sorts to the the Christopher Lee Hammer, yeah, Dracula. I do like that his solution to everything though was when these pesky kids showed up. Was like, I'm just gonna show up at their house and just start throwing a shitload of dynamite at everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that's that's part of why this film is like a PG-13. It's like it's it's kind of like a campy film, but then it's like you have moments where he just like to- casually tosses a dynamite underneath the cop car and kills like the dad's cop. Uh, Parker, just like dead. Well, I did. So, I did like though that. Uh, I, I, it probably seems random if you don't think about it, but him blowing up their clubhouse, I was like, of course a vampire would do that, because he's thinking yeah. of it like a vampire. So yeah. So one of the I, I love I, again I love this film, but there are films there there are parts of this film that especially like watching this film again today that I'm like. Oh, what are they doing? Like that's so '80s cheese. 
he blows up his own like uh a, you know the old like abandoned house that he was like shacking up in mm-hmm. he blows that up with dynamite and he has to pull off the 80s one-liner is like beating adjourned and it's like what what the, was the point of that <laughs> like <laughs> why did you have to throw that in there what did that mean it meant nothing i mean like um, you got you got you got your own like wacky like one-liner thrown in there it's like okay but so I wanted to uh, I wanted to throw this in whenever we got around to it also in that we had the we had the parents of Sean's parents are having issues you know dad's a cop and that's hard on the family and mom's feeling neglected and they handle all of that actually pretty cuz everybody comes off as kind of having a sympathetic point of view to it like nobody is quote unquote the bad guy in the relationship and yet his dad they they have moments where his dad is work you know is working to have a good relationship with him and i appreciated that they did that because this was in the era where Oh, you know, dad's the bad guy. Don't worry about it. Or dad's an idiot. Don't worry about it. It's fine. They didn't just take the the cliche way out. They're like, no, 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 no. Let's 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 have them and dad have a relationship. Let's have his dad trying trying to be a good dad, even if he's screwing up sometimes. And I. It was nice to see that. You don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's what I, I, I kind of touched on that earlier. There was a there was like a brief moment that, again, it's only 18 minute film. Like they didn't really explore it, but they, they tried to throw in like brief moments of characterization there where it's clearly like there's some tension there between the dad and the mom because she clearly is not cool. They were supposed to have a date night. I think it's called off on like a, a a a call because he's a police officer, and they have a whole big argument about it. And he's he's like like you knew who you married like when you, when you married me like I'm a cop like I, I got I got to sometimes this happens but there's clearly kind of like tension there like it's they're mm-hmm. chafing at the fact that he he's a cop and he he can sometimes keep weird hours because he's a cop and mm-hmm. clearly like he's it, it's tension but it is like you said like he he's trying to manage it all with two kids like his sean wants to go see this horror movie and he won't let him do it like the night of the date night it's like you gotta watch your sister like we're gonna your mom and i are gonna date night you gotta be like babysitter but he's like well look we're gonna go tomorrow night like you you and i will go tomorrow night and then later on you see uh sean watching the film like it's playing at like a drive-in movie theater he's Mm -hmm. watching through binoculars like like a mile away. But yeah. Yeah. The dad like shows up and he's got like fast food and he's like sharing it with Sean. He's like mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, relate to him and talk to him and be, it'd be a dad, but it's, it's little moments like that that I think actually add. And, and because again, it's an 82 minute film. It's like these moments are like a couple minutes out of the film. They, they don't yeah. distract from it, but they also like, they're not super elaborated on. But it does add a lot. It adds a lot to the characters. It shows like the motivation. Like the dad clearly is like he's trying to be the best dad he can be. Even if he's not great at it, he's still trying. And yeah, um, that is 
I'm trying to remember where I read or talked about it at, but there was the, the parallel that I saw was, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember which character it is. Uh, what's the name of Finn Wolfhart's character in stranger things? Which one is that? It's not will it's not Dustin. Uh, the one that's got the relationship with Eleven. Uh, yeah, I, I need to look uh, Anyway, his dad is kind of portrayed as this, like, he second fiddles to mom, and he's not, like, he's super... Mike. Mike yeah, Wheeler. okay, Mike's dad, Mr. Wheeler. You can you can look at him, and he's... he's some people say he's spineless, some people say he's checked out or kind of disengaged. He, it he seems like... Checked out. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it seems like that he's he follows mom's lead on a bunch of stuff, and he's fine. But the other side of that is he's there, and there's there's a scene where someone looks around and he's sitting in in his recliner asleep, but he's asleep holding his daughter. Like the guy might not be great. But he's still trying. Well, I think. I think so. I think there's having a, difference. a dad that's still trying is. I think. I think there's a difference in era though, because this is still some holdovers of like, of like how things used to be. Like the dad worked and the mom stayed at home. So I think. I think in most situations though, like if you're in that situation, like you're gonna kind of defer to the person that's home all the time because it's like, well, well like, yeah, she, you got, she's got to deal with them all the time. Like I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because I get to go to work and hide. So, you know, I think well, there's, yeah, I think there's, I don't want to undermine her because she deals with the kids more than I do. Yeah, like that, that's reasonable. But the fact that you have in Hollywood is great about this, about. Hey, dad is the idiot, so we're going to use him as the butt of the jokes and undercut undercut dad in this, you know, all over the place and that sort of thing. And the fact that they do that so much, it's rare when they break out of that trope. And that's really unfortunate because it's (laughs) – oddly enough, it does damage to families that way. Who'd have thunk? It's weird though that that was not a trope until the '90s, really. Uh, I think go earlier. Because like Homer Simpson was like a was like kind of a the antithesis of of like what the what the the dad was supposed to be. Well, no, I don't I don't know that it was that because part of what made I'm I'm going off of memory here, so you'll have to pardon. If I'm wrong, then I'll just own it and say I'm wrong. But like part of what make, made Mike Brady stand out was the fact that he was engaged in trying to be a good dad, and you still had you know Archie Bunker was an idiot, right? Like they they got so much of that show was played for Archie being a, a goofy moron who is out of touch and, and that sort of thing that I think it goes further back than that. Well, like, I mean, um, like Ward Cleaver was pretty engaged. Ward, he was. And um, then Kevin's dad in the wonder years kind of walked this line between being disengaged or being overwhelmed. But, but I mean, but the, 
I don't feel like the Wonder Years dad counts because his dad was in like an unenviable position job wise and really had a lot of pressure. I don't actually remember what his dad's job was. I don't exactly remember. I remember after the final episode, he died pretty quickly and like the brother took over the. Uh, oh, okay. Jason er- Hervey's character took over the the business. And now we're back to the movie. Yes. <laughs> now I got to look that up. I think it was a furniture I... business, maybe. Sure, but but it's it's still refreshing. I'm now I'm uh, yeah I'm looking this up. It's still refreshing to have, um, this them actually taking the time to do that. And the fact that, as you guys have pointed out, this is not a long movie, so they trust the audience to pick up on, hey, this little thing right here is them having this relationship moment. And no, they didn't have to – they didn't have to put words to everything, or they didn't put words to everything, but that was okay. Well, it's it's, – it's it's interesting when you go back that um, this movie trusts the audience. Like, I think that's where this movie's different from a lot of stuff is the movie trusts you mm-hmm. to get things. Whereas like now people that write movies thinks everyone's like a moron. So like the movie wouldn't let things breathe. They're like just, um, communicate it non-verbally now it would have to stop every five seconds to exposition that stuff at you and then this movie would be two and a half hours today instead of 82 minutes yeah well it's i remember when i went to go see the league of extraordinary gentlemen in theaters i'm watching this movie and they do the whole thing where dorian gray talks about his portrait and how if he looks upon his poor, you know, he won't age and stuff that should happen to him, all that sort of stuff. Right. And I'm sitting there in the theater and then they have the fight between Mina Harker and Dorian Gray and they just beat on each other and they keep healing. And one of the people going in the theater goes, is he a vampire, too? And I'm like, hmm. never mind. This I, I, I almost walked out at that point. You, I was you, so pissed at that. The problem, the problem with movies now, though, is, is they feel like. They feel like they have to make the movie work for that person when they were probably the only person in the movie theater that either wasn't paying attention. Like, so you don't have to write for the lowest common denominator, which is that person. You can just do your thing. And if they get lost, well, screw them. They should have paid attention. (laughs) He had a whole monologue explaining it. And it was like, is he a vampire too? It's like, oh, God, can I... It, it was it was when I was in D.C. and I I was like, I'm just going to get on the Metro and go back to my place. Just screw it. I'm so pissed off. That was not a good movie. You know what? I I enjoyed it. I did not go in with huge expectations. I just kind of sat back and popped on the ride and I enjoyed the ride as it went. I feel like that whole property should have been bigger than it ever was. With such the like comics the, bits... were, the comics were. Is that an Alan Moore but, thing? 
Yeah. Yes. Oh God. Wasn't the uh, I you think know, the story. You know, wasn't, was the, the uh, sorry, there wasn't the story that you, like it's I, it might be apocryphal, but it might also be true at this point that Sean Connery was like offered the the role of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he turned it down because he didn't think anything was going to come of it. But he chose this. It's like, oh, this will be like a big property. Uh, if, and if then he this did, like shit the bed. And he, that was like the last film I think he ever made. If he did, uh, be, I hope so, because he would have been a terrible Gandalf. He would have been, yeah. I think he was planning on it being his farewell film anyway. But I do think he turned down doing Gandalf because he was like, ah, I don't think that's going to I don't think that's going to catch I, I I love uh, I love Alan Moore right now though because he just like almost monthly has some childish temper tantrum because he doesn't understand why people like Rorschach. Oh. Because his dumbass doesn't actually understand like the ending of the the thing he wrote. <laughs> and he wanted because he's he's literally bitter that he wanted people to see it one way, which was stupid, like. And then people saw Rorschach as the only one sticking by his morality, and that pisses him off because he wanted them to. I, I don't know. Alan Moore's a Alan Moore's a wanker. I'll use something from his own language. <laughs> you hear that, old man? You're a fucking wanker. <laughs> God, him and his fucking beard. I don't know who's worse, him or Frank Miller. At least Frank Miller's probably doing cool shit instead of like Alan Moore just being grumpy. <clears throat> I think we can all agree they're both better than Mark Millar, though, right? No, Mark Millar is, like, doing his own thing now, and, like, he he actually has, like, good opinions on um, comics and stuff. Uh, his, really? his writing isn't my thing, but he does a lot of interviews, and he seems like a nice guy. He just said, he just told someone recently that he went, this is how bad things are in, in the comic industry right now, that he went to his local shop and they do not buy shelf copies of the the main X title, X-Men title now. Really? Yeah, that's how bad it is. Yikes. No, he does interviews. He seems like a nice guy. I just don't like the way he writes. <clears throat> I you know what? I'm just going to leave that. He, leave that he does line. his own label. He just does stuff he he wants to do if he has an idea for six issues. He'll just do a six issue series and and um, do his thing. Like I, I've never. He's a little too edge lordy for me. Yeah, there's where I was going with it. Because um, the one that made me mad with him was um the Ultimates, where he had like Wanda and Quicksilver doing it because incest oh. is edgy. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I think it, it was the it, Ultimates too. Maybe. Uh, it, it was in the Ultimates line. Yeah. But um, the first series was pretty uh, decent, but then they couldn't actually get an issue out after that. Wasn't it like one of the artists was taken on too much or something like that? Probably. I can't remember exactly. I know there was something wonky about it, but and I, I thought I, I thought Civil War was pretty good. Like I thought he did okay with that. I really thought where they dropped the ball on that was like the side the side stuff i checked out on civil war when they were like oh no 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 they're like okay civil war and it, it was it was during 
the um, the war in Iraq era, and it's like, well, Civil War. And it's like, okay, hey, I know, hey, guess what? I know exactly where this is going, and um, I'm not really interested on another one doing that. Like, no, 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 no. We want both sides to have a good point. I'm like, oh, you do. Okay, and then what's their both sides have a good point? Um, the registration side is throwing people in internment camps, and Reed, Reed Richards some... is cloning. He's cloning Thor to try and like create this impression that things are different than. That. It's just like, well, so the pro reg side is basically all dick bags, and the anti reg side are like, we're the righteous ones pushing back against the thing that shouldn't have happened. It's like, okay, uh, the, never mind, they, I'm out. Um... Well, so the the problem with that book, well, so for starters, to actually get like a good explanation of that, you had to read like a Cap and Iron Man like mini where they're talking to each other and like the the remnants of um of the Avengers Mansion. He explains like his problems with alcoholism and stuff, and when he described it, then like okay, you get it. But they never put that in the main book. And then the second problem with that was is that if you tried to talk about it online, like, half the people that were uber, like, oh, because, you know, because it came down to, like, political ideology for a lot of people that were anti-registration. It's like, bitch, like, if this was real life, you would be so pro-registration. Like, you can't even fucking handle people having guns and you can handle someone with laser beams, like, not being registered with the government. (laughs) Like, come the fuck on. Like, I don't believe you for a second. Like, that... Like, that's my problem. And the problem is, like, that... The registration side, like, we're ultimately right in, like, a lot of ways because, like, um, because, like, I mean, really, the the event that kicked it off, like, really was a shitty situation and was, like, why there should be registration because these fucking dumbass kids doing a reality TV series blew up a school full of kids because they hand, they took on a guy they should, they had no business taking on. That that was to me that was always the flaw of a civil war. It's like they clearly they were this is supposed to be like an analog, I think, back in the day to the Patriot Act and Yeah. This was written from like a, a really the writers kinda of threw in their own kind of political views, which is like that's on them, it's fine, but just from a logical sense it's like well I mean it's not insane that there be pro registration people because you're dealing with people who I mean look at look at like uh I mean, look at like the X Men it's like Cyclops it's like okay you're dealing with a guy that literally can like blow your head off with just looking at you well look what Scarlet and Witch the did in WandaVision just because yeah. she you know she she basically enslaved an entire town and with heavenly implied that these people were being all this was done against their will and that they were like somewhat aware of what was happening on some level and and basically it was like torture for a month that they had to live in this little fantasy world that she created at the end of that series and i actually liked wandavision but at the end of that series you had uh the monica rambeau character basically be like no one no one knows what you've suffered for and it's like are you kidding me if i would have been standing there and that someone said that after that i would have kicked them right in the ass and not even cared it's it's ridiculous but it's like yeah in that in that context it's like you have a, a, a superhuman that can basically enslave at least like an entire towns full of people mm-hmm. and have them live in some sort of alternate reality because she's like a reality warper it, why would the government not be like okay this is a problem that we need to step in and do something about 
Yeah, like, like it makes logical sense. You have people that are effectively like gods. And like they like there were things there were things they addressed after the fact. I don't remember how much they did it like in the actual book, but like when they came out of Civil War, you know, the government then like had like state sponsored superhero teams in like every state instead of having every, like having 95% of the American superhero population in New York. Like there were there were literal yeah. things that like that came out of that that made sense. Like actually, post Civil War Marvel is really good stuff. Um, it's like having the Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah. Except they 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 were like, oh no, those guys are a joke. You got to know that part. Uh, it's that that's what pissed me off. Is like, look, if this Lakes is Avengers, they're so if it's great. if it is so important, if it is so important that. That discussion is is the the linchpin that has this whole thing going. Then put it in the main book. Don't don't be like, oh, you know, buy this one over here so everything makes sense. Like, no. That's the problem with events, though. Have your stuff make sense, damn it. Like, okay, hey, uh, guess what? I'm gonna digress again. Um, when you had the death of Superman, like the death and return of Superman thing. And you had um, – you were doing the uh, the return of Superman in uh, Machine City where Coast City used to be. You had this whole big throwdown happen, and Greenland – Hal Jordan shows up just looking all beat to hell. He's like, what happened? Well, I had this fight with Mongol. Like there is stuff that happened that tied in, but it did not – you didn't have to go read the supplemental stuff to understand what was going on in the main story. Yeah. It just it, – it filled in a little bit like, oh, GL looks all beat up. Why is GL all beat up? It's like, well, he's fighting Mongol. And it's it's how looking at Mongol, mad as hell, he's like, he's yellow. This guy is yellow. I can't use my ring on him because this son of a bitch is yellow. So he just starts piling – he uses his ring to make armor so that he can pick up um, John Henry Iron's uh, hammer and fight Mongol with. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Now you read an event. Now you read an event, and if you just read the event, you don't know what the hell's going on because it's yeah. just like – yeah. You know what was real Are, bad for that was um, Infinite Crisis was real bad for that. It, it, I was Final thinking, Crisis was real bad for that. Infinite Crisis was – if you if you read the main stuff to it, they would recap the things that happened, like why Ran Thanagar mattered, and and things like that. And it's like, okay, all right, I my, I read all of it because at the time I was just like way into the story. But it's like, okay, I, I I see what you're doing here. I can at least I can at least ride the train with you. But, but I think like Superboy Prime, some of that stuff you had to read in like other books. Like no, they re they recapped it. I'm pretty sure because uh, I didn't read everything, but it like I knew it was there. Yeah, but I mean, you didn't have to do that for Identity Crisis. Every panel of Sue Dibney's rape oh was there. Oh my god! For... Oh god! Identity Crisis was it? Monster Squad. Hmm. Does Brad Meltzer ever do? Does Brad Meltzer ever do uh, cons? Because I might have to like. <laughs> Go bicycle kick somebody. Yeah. Mm. 
karate chop him like uh or do the Vulcan nerve grip like Spock. I you know so, the, I, so Monster Squad is interesting to me because like by all objective metrics when I was watching this I'm like this movie should not be as entertaining as it is. Yeah. It is. It's actually like really entertaining. It it and there's again there's so much stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like why is the why is the mummy in like that kid's closet? <laughs> uh, yes, it, it made no sense. And like the it's other than that, it's a funny moment because the dad it, like the kid calls the dad and the dad's like oh there's a monster closet without seeing like the like the it, mummy and the it, mummy just leaves. It, it's like did, okay. That, why did Dracula need to drive his hearse to the house when he could just turn into a bat? And fly. Well, I mean, I guess the hearse is faster. But it, what type of hearse is this? Like, cause he can make the the hearse basically go intangible. I thought he just he, turned like, it drives... into like fog. I guess, but it's, it's like a vehicle. It's an actual corporal thing that he. Uh, I don't know. There's you just things made that don't me make realize sense. they they killed the black guy first in this movie. Yeah, but they waited a long time to do it. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um. The the. Uh, climax of this movie is a lot of fun. Um, and it's, I like that it was practical effects and it mm-hmm. held up pretty well. Yeah. The TV tropes page pointed out something to me that uh, I, I did not put a finger to until after the fact that happens in the climax. Cause they list all of these, uh, Rudy's like, oh no, this is how you kill a werewolf, and, th- and they're like, oh, there's there's another way. And they go, what is it? And they list a bunch of stuff. Yeah, because they're talking out their ass. And it turns out to be a callback <laughs> later mm-hmm. on. I enjoyed that. Rudy, like like Matt said, Rudy had some badass throwdown in the uh, the climax. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the with the the vampire brides, his showdown with them was pretty good. Yeah. That he had one of the best lines where he's like he basically he's going to to kill them, and they're like where are you going? He's like I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? And it's like that's <laughs> it's so cold for a kid that's supposed to be like 14. Yeah. yeah. I also liked um at the very end when the military shows up and they just give them a card that they like scribbled Monster Squad on. Yeah. Okay. One one thing uh, Rudy did that um we would not be seeing today was the uh how can i best put this the blackmail move to get uh what's his name's older sister involved mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's just like ah, wow it's hard for me to figure out which law that'd be in violation of now she still screwed them over she almost screwed the whole thing up though yeah because that didn't oh, count the, yeah the monsters almost took over yeah <laughs> Because Steve didn't count. Yes. <laughs> they had the best reaction to that. She goes, well, Steve, but he doesn't count. And just whipper doesn't count. You know, just screaming at her with that. I was like, okay, all right. That's, I love it. Oh, uh, that's the perfect response. Dracula calling the little girl a bitch was unexpected at the end. Well, to, to pair with that, Frankenstein's monster gun, uh, awesome moment where he as soon as dracula like threatens a little girl frankenstein shows up and it's like oh no 
Like, that shit ain't standing. Like, he grabbed Dracula by the neck like he would, like, scruff a cat to the point where it must have been, like, so damn hard that Dracula, like, makes his face, like, ah, and just immediately drops the girl. And then Frankenstein, like, goes, looks at him goes, bogus. It's like, <laughs> backhand so the shit out of Yeah, it was. But yeah. He backhands the shit out of him. That almost ruined it. Where, I'm going to be honest, and it was supposed to be funny, but that's so out of time now. I was like, oh. God, that was the Maybe, that was, but I liked it. That, that was I the think only it was heartwarming thing. in the context. Well, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I just wish he could have said something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, it, again, it calls back to Dr- this. This version of Frankenstein's monster is probably one of the more heroic, like unquestionably good. Like he's not, he's not even try, He's not even feigning. Like, well, you know. Maybe I should do some evil because Dracula wants me to. Like, he's my master. He's like, no. Like, as soon as he got the opportunity to be like, oh, I can be friends with these kids. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. This is <laughs> like, way better. Immediately abandons evil. Not that he was ever, like, evil to begin with. It's like as soon as he got the opportunity to be like, oh, I don't have to be evil. Oh, yeah, cool. Let, let me be, like, a friend to these kids. Yeah. And he's he's the, he's a good guy. He's good. And he it's was... a horrible it – you made, you, it made you feel bad at the end because he's – he willingly goes into the abyss. He was rocking the little shades, girls, too. Yeah, the little girl is like crying, like don't go, don't go. But then she gives him like her stuffed bunny, and he's yeah. like, he's he's cool. He's got his shades. Like he's, again, he's like the heroic version. He realizes he's not supposed to be here on this planet. The the they could have let Frankenstein Frank- stay. That was some bullshit, if you ask me. Well, <laughs> the Frankenstein boots <laughs> was a joke that I did not expect in the slightest. The fact that they they had Frankenstein in the Boris Karloff boots. That was how you you introduced him into a scene was those Boris Karloff boots just threw me. I was like, oh, man. OK. Um, all right. You know, I just got a huge kick out of it. I actually thought more Herman Munster when um, when I saw the boots. Yeah. Boris Karloff's fine too. Actually, you know, all the all the big names did the monster at least once because Bella Lugosi did it once and um, Lon Chaney Jr. did it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karloff was the best, obviously, but. I mean, he's Boris Karloff. There's so. some good if you want to go on YouTube and you're watching this. There's some good test footage of him like screwing around as the monster. Supposedly, there was a TV show where Boris Karloff straight up did the monster mash, like the song, instead of Bobby Pickett doing it. But the footage was lost. And I cannot tell you how much I would have loved to have seen that footage. That would have been amazing. I was just reading something about Bill Murray. What movie was that? Oh, crap. I was reading something about they cast this movie and Bill, they were going to ask Bill Murray and couldn't get a hold of him. And then he saw they would have cast him and like he was in a public place when he read that and he screamed out loud because he would have done it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what movie was it? Continue on. I'll see if I can. All right. So, Matt, I know this was a, a big... You know, this, this, as you said before, this was a big one for you growing up. What, what other thoughts did you want to hit while we were 
visiting uh, this room. Let me think. I mean, I've talked a lot about it. I, I, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I thought the one-liners were good. I thought there was the appropriate amount of comedy. Again, some things didn't make sense, but I do think it was. Uh, it was kind of like a, 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 to me, like an homage of sorts to the the Universal. I've uh, looking at the Wikipedia and some of the like, oh, they're they're pastiches. It's like they're not re- meant to be the Universal, and I, I guess that's true. But clearly, it's like you're you're throwing back to the Universal stuff. Yeah. Um. But I thought it did well. It didn't. They they weren't like um. It didn't meant to be like jokes of that except for i guess the mummy because the mummy was kind of useless but yeah the mummy was a the mummy got taken out in an entertaining but also chump shot kind of way i thought it was again the the monsters were kind of treated well like like outside of the mummy and frankenstein obviously wasn't trying to be evil like all the 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 other monsters which is basically like i guess the brides of the brides didn't really do much Mm-hmm. Except be menacing, but yeah. between and Dracula, Wolfman, and the Gillman, like they were just wrecking the shit out of the the cops. Like they, that's where I'm like, this movie it's PG-13 probably because like there's actually like a shockingly a large amount of, of death. Or I mean, Dracula like, is straight up like snapping people's necks. Oh yeah, and he's like, the cops are like trying to stop him. He just keeps walking, and he's like snapping necks. He's like breaking bones and everything like that. The gill man clearly is like crushing the skull of someone at one point. Mm-hmm. Like Wolfman's like kicking the shit out of people. Yeah. Like it, they're like they're roughing people up. Um, that I found was... the movie. It was Eddie Valiant that he met that they couldn't contact him to cast, and he read that oh, for... they considered him, and he yelled in public. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. Oh wow! I don't, uh, but I was like, oh, thank God they couldn't contact him. <laughs> Bob Haskins was like, was built for that role. Yeah. So, one thing that did take me out of the um, the climax is at the very beginning of it, the cops do exactly what you would expect them to do. They go for their sidearms, and they try and shoot them. But then you have all of these other officers arrive on scene. And they don't even bother going for their sidearms. They just run up and start trying to nightstick dudes. And I'm like, um, like, I know it's movie logic, but. I felt like the Gilman kind of popped up in the middle of everyone, though, and that's why they were nightsticking him. Well, mm-hmm. like, when, um,. When Dracula is doing his admittedly very cool march mm-hmm. and, you know, showing everybody who's boss, everybody, like, full-on ninja guidance their way into him. Like, mm-hmm. they just, they just, everybody's running up and, you know, doing bad kung fu at him, basically, and I getting owned. I wouldn't call get just, like, walking into getting your next step kung fu-y. It, I, I'm drawing a comparison. You know, the 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 horde of guys that run into Bruce Lee and get wrecked, although with Bruce Lee it wasn't a trope. It it, it looked great. But um, I don't know. It, the fact that they come running in and just kind of get mowed down, it's like, okay, 
we're we are demonstrating how big of a threat Drek is, but you guys just got here. I bet I bet Steven Seagal watched this movie and he was like, "This is how I get into Hollywood." Mm. God, you know, I made my living in the movies, but for the last twenty years I've been a cop. It's like, no, Steven, no, you've been a publicity son. There's a really funny, I think it's a Mountain Dew commercial with him in like the mid 2000s where like these guys are robbing a convenience store and he's just coming in and he's just like walking through the store and they keep trying to attack him. Like one guy charges him and he like opens like the, like the, the, you know, the, the refrigerator door to get his drink and like smacks the guy right in the face with it. And then he like drops something and the other guy like trips on it and takes himself out. Like it's, it's humorous. I had a guy, a friend of mine, send me a clip the other day from one of the more recent Steven Seagal movies. And I have a huge personal distaste for Steven Seagal. But to demonstrate just how much of a caricature he is, here he is in this movie. Apparently, he has it in his movies that anytime he can be sitting down, he is. This and he. Me. And he does not remove clothing for nothing. So there's a scene in this movie where the leading lady is coming on to him. And, of course, you know, she's Hollywood hot and all this sort of stuff and, like, is stripping down to get down. And he's sitting in a chair and he still has his coat and his shirt on for what's supposed to be this big spicy moment that she comes, like, when they're they're shooting this like supposed to be intimate scene, he's still got his coat and his shirt on because Steven Seagal is not going to take his shirt off for nobody. I guess Gene LaBelle humbled him too much or something. But there you go. That's that's. I sent you the Mountain Dew commercial. Okay. The highlight is that the last guy, pretty much before they all run, is he goes to take his wallet out and, like, can't get it out. And then he punches the guy in the face when he pulls his wallet out. <laughs> but it's essentially him at, like, the getting his drink and, like, he'll put his head down. And then, like, the guy will, like, miss and, like, trip over something. And it's 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 actually – I was surprised how self-aware he's being in that one. Who was it that – um there was a, someone did this story, told this story about Steven Seagal. Oh, uh, I can't remember who who was telling the story, but it was about Steven Seagal not being allowed back on Saturday Night Live because he was just insufferable. And he was telling this story, and he was on the Tonight Show, or he had told the story before, and he's on the Tonight Show at the same time Seagal is, and Seagal's sitting there looking at him, and he goes. What do you think it was I wasn't allowed back on the Saturday Night Live? And he's like, oh, God, I'm sitting here next to Steven Seagal. I don't want to have to try and explain it. He said, and Jay Leno saved him by leaning over and going, you know, if they're going to tell stories like that, they have to have a big enough name to pick on to make it worthwhile. And like totally saved his ass. And I, I can't remember who it was that was telling the story for the life of me. But. You know, that's that's how insecure Steven Seagal is. I think a lot of those I think a lot of those guys are. Yeah. So anyway. Um So I guess 
So I would say, um, I would say, I would recommend this one. Uh, just, I'm going to warn you about the the language in the early part because that might really offend you if um, mm. that slur yeah. offend you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the sign of the times, which is to make it right, but it's also like. That's how you know, te- that, it's, that it's, was used back in the day. It's how preteen and teenage boys talk to that era. Yeah, and it, it also isn't presented like that's it's a good thing that these kids no. did said this word. So there's yeah. there is that. It's clearly designed as like they're putting someone down. Yeah, it is a marker that these are yes. bad people. Yes. So but, um, it's fun. Like if you if you try to like really break it down to its elements, um. Well, don't think about it too much for starters, because like on its face, like the the various elements of this movie, it probably should have sucked. And I don't know how like somehow the sum of its parts were like better than like the you know what I mean? Yeah, like I really was breaking it down. I'm like, this movie should not have worked. (laughs) Like just down to even how Dracula looked. I'm like, this movie should not have worked like it should not have been good. And I don't know why it was so entertaining. Because I had, I'm, I'm, I had a hell of a time, especially like when they get to the end fight. The end fight's great. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't it, it doesn't like do anything weird or special. There's no CGI. Like I wouldn't even say like it's particularly like choreographed well, but it's just it's fun. Every character gets to do something badass. Yeah. And and gets a good payoff, and that's even the dog. Hmm. What did the dog do? We tried to save the Twinkie, then he decided to hightail it out. <laughs> but you had every every character in the movie that you had been on this ride with up to this point got to do something really cool. And, you know, I, I like that, you know, they didn't go with the one person does all the cool stuff. Everybody got it. Everybody got their shine. And it, the kids had good chemistry, like you felt they were friends and stuff mm-hmm. you know what i actually thought would be you could have reskinned this into and it would have worked okay is if you would have taken this like and reskinned it into like a maniac mansion movie and just mm. tweak some things but um yeah I, like the kids had good chemistry like it felt natural it didn't feel like a movie today where they're like doing stuff that's like no human being would do that <laughs> Isn't it refreshing to have a movie where people talk like, you know, people would talk? Well, I think having kids act like kids was really refreshing because now, like, the kids, they always make the kids act like little adults. And it's really just annoying. Yeah, it's kind of off-putting. So, Matt, what what are what do you want to have your parting thoughts on this be? I obviously adore this film. I've seen it many, many times over the years. So, uh, I obviously give it a thumbs up. I think... Uh, I mean, I almost feel like like a younger generation would not appreciate it like like us because I we. Feel, I feel like some of the experience would like if you were twenty years old. I feel like that childhood experience would be really foreign to you. Yeah. Because like yeah. for us, for us, like even though I hadn't seen this until I was much older, like a lot of like the pre stuff of just them being kids like resonates with me. Because, like, mm-hmm. that's still, like, I came, like, of their age, like, four or five years after this, like, to be, like, you know, 
10 or 11 but like it still resonates with me because that's how like my childhood was really and i think like Mm -hmm. for all of us that's kind of how our childhood was yeah even if if yours specifically wasn't it was still close enough that it was familiar yeah i think it's like if someone watched like if if this had been like a 60s like um like movie and they were kids in the 60s i don't know that would necessarily resonate the same with us Mm -hmm. well no it might because like that's the weird thing is like there's a less difference between a kid growing up in like the 60s and the 80s compared to like someone growing up in the 80s and like the 2000s and now like it's changed a lot yeah the rapid ascent of technology has has caused tremendously fast changes in the norm and the post columbine like schooling world has changed a lot too yeah that's also true like it's that's not also the same true. it's not the same because there was stuff like we, my wife and I were talking to like younger people about schooling stuff, and um, they're talking about a couple things. And my and my wife and I are like, well, you know, they talked about that stuff with us all the time. We were like, oh yeah, well, there were a couple things like, oh yeah, they're coming. They, like it was the middle of the AIDS ec- epidemic, and we were just coming off of the crack epidemic. Of course, they were talking about that stuff with us. Yeah. Well, and it's it's heartbreaking now because. My kids are in elementary school, and they do lockdown drills. They call them bad Ugh. guy drills sometimes. Just you know, just so they know what to do in those cases. But it's, I mean, I mean, it's I, heartbreaking I, that that's where it is. But I know, I know, I know that's awful and everything. But I mean, I was just thinking though, our parents had to do um, get under your desks and. Duck and cover yeah. duck duck and cover. grab your ankles I, I, and kiss your ass goodbye because that's yeah. what's gonna happen i mean supposedly it's not actually the worst advice because if you were in range to know the flash happened but you were far enough away it didn't didn't kill you then it would protect you from the falling debris so okay i, I get it but it's also super easy to stooge on. So, and I believe, I believe the story was told to me that going back to my grandmother, that there was the explicit understanding that if things went bad and the Nazis were coming, that, um, that her father was going to kill all the children. Mm. So, Good Lord. I mean, that's what that's fucking war though. Mm. I mean, and especially like, in that era, like, I don't think it was a secret, like, what the fucking Nazis were like. I don't think I would necessarily choose something different if I had kids and I was in that situation either. Oh, we're getting an ending to the fog going now. But, yeah. Like, the mist? Yeah, the mist, not the fog. Sorry. The fog is, um, the fog is actually a decent movie. Okay. There's pirates in the fog, though. <laughs> well, are they pirates? You know which movie I'm talking about, right, Matt? The mist? No, The Fog. Oh, wait. The Fog oh. is like an 80s horror movie. Oh, wait. It's like, yeah, they, like there's, I feel like it's almost zombies. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've seen them. Is, is The Mist the Stephen King one? Yes. Yeah. It, it has, uh, For the, I don't want to spoil it, but the 
the movie version of The Mist is different than the actual like short story, the novella. Yeah. Uh, and it has like one of those classic like it's a downer ending, but it has one of those like twist endings that it's like, oh, my God, you like. Yeah, it's it's shocking even for and not so, a lot nowadays is is truly like shocking it, that that's still a pretty shocking ending. And yeah, supposedly King said, I wish I would have thought of that ending. I mean, let me put it to you, to you this way. If Stephen King had to save his life by coming up to a good ending to a book, he would be dead. <laughs> He does not excel at like I've never seen an author that can write and I'm basing this off the stand that can write like a fucking amazing book for 80 percent of the way there and just totally drop the ball. Fumble it at the end. Now, I will say people get pissed off at the ending of the Dark Tower. I actually like the ending of the Dark Tower. And every time someone complains about that, I always tell them, I said, he told you to stop reading. It's your own fault. That's that's true. He does give you the heads up and say, hey, you may not want to do this. But I actually thought that was the ending Roland deserved. And people always get mad when I say that. But I'm like, no, that's what – like think about his actions leading up to that. That's the ending he deserved. It's mm, – this is this is going to be something that might – out of the people that may listen to this podcast, it may only land for – Justin and Terry out there, but I, it's kind of like the ending on the wheel of time. There are some people who are got so deep into it that they are mad that they don't have what they want out of it. And I'm like, it, it's fine. There's not, there's not supposed to be, you're asking for a definitive ending when part of the point of that ending was the world keeps going. And stuff keeps happening. I always feel unless the ending's like total crap, that a lot of times the people that get really upset about that, like headcanon something that was never going to happen in there. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you <clears throat> a joke that um, that sticks in my brain for that sort of thing. But the Wheel of Time tells you from almost the beginning that whatever ends here is not like the definitive end to anything. It is not the ending, but it is an ending. Yes, it Here's, explicitly tells you that, like within like the first like half of the first book. Yeah. So here's here's my joke about that, Brad. Are you ready for this? Yes. There's two people, two kinds of people in the world: people who need closure. Okay. Sorry, I'm really tired right now. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke. I'll so, get that. I'll get that like sometime tomorrow. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> but... All right. So obviously a recommendation for Matt. That that reminds me of an old. This is like the way my brain works. This reminds okay. me of like an old joke that was on like the. If you guys ever watched it, like the Garfield animated show. Yep. And he's like Garfield is like describing comedy, mm-hmm. and it's like what's important in all of comedy is timing. It, it, well, he, I think the way he presented it is like you know what's important in all of comedy, and it's like no one answers, and it's like someone randomly at some point is like timing. It's like it's like this random point, and it's like oh that's the joke. Like yeah, your your timing is important, and then you're throwing in you're throwing in the punchline. Like 
a minute later when no one's expecting it. So yeah, well, you there, can, there's a, I remember there's a... that episode because he he kept using the phrase lights, please, and you see mm-hmm. all these hands shoot in from out of frame holding light bulbs he goes okay now the joke is dumb and then it keeps coming back he says now we're bringing the joke around to a running gag so it's funny again mm-hmm. and that always stuck in my head there's a variation of that timing joke where you wait for them to say something and interrupt them saying timing that that's my eldest kid's favorite uh knock knock joke is knock knock who's there interrupting cow that, <laughs> So I won't do that here, but, you know, it's not like you don't have to have a huge imagination to get that one. But God, to be young again when knock-knock jokes and chicken-crossing-the-road jokes were funny. He doesn't have a great grasp on jokes yet. Yeah, um, no one does till there. But, so Matt, this is definitely a recommendation for you, right? Yes. Definite yeah. recommendation for me. I would say as well, it's... Disclaimering that it's made in 1987, and like I don't, I just, I I would, I just I just gonna disclaimer that there is a gay slur in the early parts, so you know if that's gonna bother you, don't watch it. But I recommend it. Yeah, it, it is also that um, it, it feels to me like this is so much a product. It is so suffused with the product of the era. Yeah, you could that, you couldn't remake this successfully because it's two of its Yeah, time. that if you are not familiar with that time period, you will miss out on a lot of atmosphere. But you know, it's 82 minutes and it's pretty tightly paced and as long, you know, you're not looking for anything too heavy you'll be you can have a good old time watching this so sure and i would say if you're a parent and you have a kid that's like eight or nine and they're wanting to get into horror this i think would be an excellent like and i don't mean this i'm not saying this like in a derogatory way this is this is a perfect baby's first horror movie movie Mm -hmm. because it's scary it has elements of horror but it's not too scary and there's levity to lighten that horror up maybe it's a good barometer to see if they really do want to get into horror yeah and it gives them and it gives it throws a lot at them because then you can be like if okay well they like the wolfman like well let's go watch the old universal wolfman um, yeah. Like, but I think I think if if you have a kid that you're kind of want kind of wanting to get into horror, this is a great like starter movie. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, everybody, um, let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. We uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, do you think that we were on base? Was there something that you really loved that you missed? Uh, we would love to hear from you. Tell us your favorite uh, Wesley Snipes uh, action scene hmm. in Blade and Blade 2. And uh, are you concerned about some people trying to ice skate uphill? Yeah. Um, so, also, we will also take your conspiracy theories on how Shad's wrestling career ended and if it's <laughs> vaccine related or not. You know what? I am I am down for it. I'd love to hear the conspiracy or, theories. Or the other one I have is, and Matt, you might agree with me on this, I think Shad might be a skinwalker. Oh, wow. That's That's... I have been warned not to joke about that, but uh, you don't you can't say the name of Skinwalker because then they they become aware. Yeah, so you're giving them attention. Yeah. 
Yep. So everybody out there, thank you for uh, thank you for being with us for this episode. We would love to hear from you on social media. Um, this is going to be the end of spoopy season for us, so we'll be getting into some other stuff. But everybody, thank you for being with us. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>